Welcome to the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project. I am Dr. Marnie Peterson, the Outreach Coordinator for the project, which was created by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Today, I am pleased to be hosting the Director of our Center, otherwise known as SIDRAP, Dr. Michael Osterholm. In addition to being the Center Director, Dr. Osterholm is also a Regents Professor, McKnight Presidential Endowed Chair in Public Health, Distinguished Teaching Professor in the School of Public Health, and a Professor in the Technical Leadership Institute at the College of Science and Engineering, as well as an Adjunct Professor in the Medical School, all at the University of Minnesota. He also authored a book in 2017 titled Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Killer Germs, in which he not only details the most pressing infectious disease threats of our day, but lays out a nine-point strategy on how to address them with preventing a global flu pandemic at the top of the list. Recently, in June 2018, he was selected to serve as a science envoy for health, for health security on behalf of the U.S. Department of State. So many accomplishments, and we're well, um, excited to have you here with us today, Mike. Thank you very much. So we're here to talk about the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project, and it's been two years since the launch of the project. With, at the center, and a lot's happened. I was hoping that you could just give us a brief update of the overall goals and some of the accomplishments of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project. Well, first of all, to take a step back to try to put antimicrobial resistance into some perspective, um, in the book that you mentioned, Deadliest Enemies, Our War Against Killer Germs, I actually laid out really two very central and critical public health issues with infectious diseases, namely those which can cause pandemics or worldwide epidemics, and the first being, of course, influenza. But the second, which is a bit of an unusual way to think of a worldwide pandemic, but it's antimicrobial resistance. It's not just one agent. It's many different agents that have developed resistance. And uh, just as another influenza pandemic is going to occur someday, and it could be as every bit as severe as 1918, we know that antimicrobial resistance is an absolute given. It's part of microbial evolution. Uh, studies uh, in which uh, individuals have gone back into caves where four million years since, uh, you know, the cave was formed, no human contact, they can culture the walls of a cave and find as many as 14 different antibiotic-resistant bugs in that cave. Uh, many of those antibiotics are more modern, new antibiotics that we use. And it's all because, in fact, not because they were exposed to those antibiotics, but because of the fact that over time, with the uh, whole microbial evolution and the issue with mutation, uh, these Various agents have developed the resistance uh, as a matter of survival against their colleagues fighting for both uh, food and space. And so in a sense, it's, it's uh, one that we don't often think of we, we, as a pandemic situation, but it really is. And so when we looked at what can we do about antimicrobial resistance, there's surely a number of things. First and foremost, obviously, is just make new and better antibiotics, but the easy antibiotics are gone. Um, you know, we don't have anything in the pipeline right now that is new uh, and, and, for that matter, earth-shaking that is going to change the fundamental problem we have with resistance. Second of all, in terms of resistance, it's just an issue where, um, as worldwide users of antibiotics, we just continue to use more and more of them. And uh, that has a lot to do with both human and animal use. It has to do with problems with sanitation in many parts of the world where the resistance occurs because of basically the mixing of antibiotics and, and the various organisms occurs right in the environment. And uh, so the challenge is there we, we see 
with all this antibiotic use, the further driving of that uh, evolutionary process of antibiotic resistance. We can do things about this. We can make new vaccines that will prevent people from getting infected with organisms that otherwise might develop resistance. We can find new and better treatments that are not antibiotics, such as today people are looking at phage, phages as uh, a means for treating uh, people with antibiotic-resistant infections. But in the end, the one thing we can do, we can also limit the use of our antibiotics, particularly when it's unnecessary from a medical standpoint. Uh, we know today that depending on uh, where you're at in the world and what kind of clinical practice, whether human or medicine, as many as 30 to 50% of the antibiotics that are used are totally unnecessary in that they're not going to actually improve the health status of the individual and, if anything, potentially harm it. Uh, that individual, uh, meaning that there's just not the right bug-drug combination or it's not even a bacterial infection for which you're treating. Uh, it's a viral infection. So what we developed really was, okay, a, a an approach to say antimicrobial stewardship with the appropriate use of antibiotics is really as important as any of the things we just I just mentioned before about what we can do about antibiotic resistance. When you thought about the issue of antimicrobial stewardship, the appropriate use of antibiotics, it was we were hard-pressed to find any one one-stop shopping source for that kind of information, particularly when it varied by clinical practice type, what country you're in, a high-income, middle-income, low-income country, whether it dealt with both animals and humans. And so really our project, Animal Stewardship Project, was an attempt to provide that one-stop shopping uh, for information. We have a worldwide renowned uh, advisory group uh, and we keep this site very current. It's current by the minutes, not just by the day. And what we make every attempt to do is provide the best of the information that's uh, produced out into the, in the world around antimicrobial stewardship uh, without any kind of proprietary ownership on our part. We will highlight wherever information comes from that can be useful. So, so our goal is to serve as, a, in a sense, a platform for how to and why to conduct antimicrobial stewardship programs wherever you're at. I think, too, uh, when you set out what the project is you wanted as this one-stop shopping type of focus, um, that you wanted to be inclusive. And you also, um, in a thoughtful way, sought out key advisors, as you mentioned, um, and also have been developing some of these strategic uh, global partnerships all that are focused in antimicrobial resistance or stewardship. So I just wonder if you mentioned like how the key workings of that, you know, setting out to do that such that you're not trying to compete with any one um, organization, yet be inclusive in providing data and, and online content for the global community. Yes, and, th and thank you for how you've highlighted this uh, question because in a sense you, you know, help provide part of the answer. Um, Information is only useful if it's in the hands of the people that need it. It's only useful if it's understood by the people that need it. It's only useful if it actually has application to the people who need it. And so one of the things that we've made an attempt to do here is, first of all, recognize that our audience is a very, very broad audience, from infection control professionals to clinicians to members of the C-suite uh, to agricultural uh, leaders uh, to the people in the field. Um, any number of different individuals have a need for this kind of information. And so we had to prepare it in a way that meant that all those different parties would get the information they need. Now, there are a lot of groups out in the world who are doing really incredible work. 
And uh, what we wanted to do was really highlight that, to do it in such a way that we can provide this one-stop shopping. So if I'm looking for something in the area of antimicrobial stewardship, whether it's news articles that are which we generate, which are happening right today, whether it's policies that are coming from various organizations, whether it's initiatives that are coming out of organizations about uh, how to limit the use of unnecessary antibiotics uh, in the environment, um, all these things really all had very different homes or they had really maybe no home at all. And so our job is to go find these and to bring them together in one place where with the magic of the Internet and electronic clicking, you can get quickly to uh, these these various resources, particularly with the, with our search engine. And so by having this world-renowned group of experts serve as advisors, we also highlight uh, uh, topic areas we might not otherwise know about, but because these experts have such a wide range of experience and and knowledge of what's going on out there, we can really assure that we have the, the best and the brightest. So our job is not to compete in any way. In fact, it's to enhance, enhance uh, the information generated by others. And in many cases, it's our website that's generating a lot of the traffic that's going to some of the societies or other organization websites that have done really outstanding work in terms of, of developing tools for antimicrobial stewardship or highlighting key target issues. And uh, and as long as we can keep moving forward both the public policy issues around antimicrobial stewardship and then provide some very practical but yet detailed uh, efforts of how you can implement antibiotic stewardship and how to monitor it, et cetera, then, then we really have a successful program, and that's what we're trying to do right now. And as a follow-on to that, one of the goals is obviously to have impact on the global community. Uh, and one way that you're, you have to understand what's happening in these different uh, countries and, and sectors of the world is being able to visit them and talk to some of their uh, key policymakers and leading clinicians. Something that's facilitated that was your uh, being selected to serve as the uh, part of the science envoy for health security on, uh, with the U.S. Department of State. So just to, to transition into this topic, um, descri- describing a little bit about what this is and, and what your role is and your focus. Well, thank you. Um, during the uh, Obama administration, there was a new program developed in the State Department called the Science Envoy Program. Uh, this program uh, was really meant to bring in anywhere from two to five citizen science leaders every year that then would be made available to locations around the world for sharing of that scientific information expertise they have. Uh, in this year's class, their former director of NASA, Nobel Prize laureate from MIT, um, et cetera, were chosen among the five. Uh, I happen to be the only one with uh, infectious disease uh, background, and uh, the others are really more in physics or engineering. Uh, and so when we uh, discussed this possibility of doing this, uh, one of the things I really hit home hard on was what I wanted to do was uh, really work in the area of antimicrobial resistance and antibiotic stewardship. And so uh, I just have completed an a tri- extensive trip to Indonesia and Malaysia, which uh, I uh, lectured frequently and worked closely with Ministry of Health officials, with university officials, on how to uh, further enhance the antibiotic stewardship programs that are occurring in those two countries. 
Um, also, I learned a lot about what uh, other needs and and how we can better service those needs uh, with our website. Uh, next month, I'll be going to Ghana and uh, to other parts of Africa in the sense of doing the same thing. And so, really, this is a unique opportunity for us to get the message out about what services we have, which, again, I remind everyone are all free, uh, readily available. Uh, you know, again, it's not proprietary. Uh, you don't have to worry about conflicts of interest in the sense that we just put the best content on our site. And then at the end of the day, uh, as we listen to what's needed out there, we'll continue to try to create that information and um, keep the site current and comprehensive uh, with feedback from, from the community about what's needed. As you, as you, you mentioned, you visited Indonesia and Malaysia as one of the most recent countries. Are, what are their current challenges around stewardship that, that they've spoken to you about, and um, are they different than, say, the United States? Well, it, it is different in, in the sense that in many of the low-income to middle-income countries, the challenge they have, first of all, are sanitation. Uh, the issue is, is that a lot of antibiotic and antibiotic-resistant organisms, potential antibiotic-resistant organisms, come in contact in the environment because of lack of adequate safe sewage, water systems, etc. And so that, that surely is an enhancement problem that we have to deal with, and, uh, and they're well aware of that. I think the second thing is is that um, we don't have the laboratory support in many of these countries uh, that we have here. So determining MIC, for example, is uh, is a big challenge there. And in many instances, antibiotic use is not dictated by knowing what the antimicrobial susceptibility of the individual organism is, but by just guessing, hopefully, what's out there and what's happening. And so one of the things that's really important, if you're going to have an effective antibiotic stewardship program, you really have to have some sense of what is it that, that is actually uh, occurring in terms of the patient, in individual patient, and in the population in general, and having the test methods to, to define that. So I think the other challenge that we see is just the uh, very close, you might say, contact mixing in many of these populations with animal food production uh, sources, as well as human medicine. So there it's not like the larger farms here in the United States where very few people have contact with these animals. Uh, there still are smaller operations with lots of human contact in, uh, in these countries, and, of course, that also adds the potential for transmission of uh, antibiotic-resistant organism from one of these animals to a human. So I want to talk about what's what's next for the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project. It's been over two years since the launch, and you've, you continue to have an increased global following, uh, weekly newsletter uh, followers as well, and increase in subscribers. What what are some of the next uh, initiatives for the project? Well, first of all. Um, we want to clearly continue to work with and, and very carefully consider the input from our advisory board and other individuals in the community as to what the community needs. And I realize that term community is a very loose term because it depends on where you're at in the world and the conditions upon which you're doing medical practice or veterinary practice. But we want to clearly uh, stay in touch that way and make sure that we're getting the kind of information to people that they're really looking for that they need. Um, the second thing is uh, we want to be sure that we're timely. Uh, today in the world of informatics, 
you know, being off a day or two or three, uh, you miss a lot of opportunities to to do something about, for example, appropriate drug therapy. And so you want to be sure that our information is timely and that it can help at the clinical level be timely. And so that's something we'll continue to emphasize is, is uh, how we can do that. I think the third thing that is really important in terms of this is how do we help facilitate also the sharing of information? Um, we know today from a surveillance standpoint that understanding what's going on with with antibiotic-resistant organisms in the environment is very, very important uh, within animals, humans, et cetera. How do we monitor that? How do we know what's going on? And so we would like to not do surveillance as such, but be able to report on when surveillance is done uh, and methods are well known, can we put that information out there so that the people can sense for themselves what's happening that surely will Im- impact on clinical practice but also just help serve as a, a learning tool for why the resistance problem that we have is occurring and what are the uh, things that need to be considered about uh, in terms of, of that resistance. Is there any uh, final closing remarks to our listeners? Anything no, I, we, I welcome years. them to the site, and the fact that they're listening to this must mean that they're, they're spending some time on the site, and I hope that they will, uh, you know, provide us their feedback as to what we can do better. I mean, this is all about trying to help support uh, antimicrobial stewardship in our communities, and so whatever we can do to help do that, we want to know, and uh, so we surely welcome any uh, feedback from everyone about how we can do it better. Well, thank you, Mike, for your time today. Thank Congratulations you. on the successful project and all the work you're doing um, on behalf of the um, the U.S. Department of State as part of the Science Envoy. Thank you. Thank you.